All five major party leaders faced tough questions and each other in the two official debates. Liberal leader Justin Trudeau was the main target for his four opponents as he faced attacks over broken promises and even calling the election. But was this the debate voters deserve? I'm Dave Breckenridge, and this is 10-3. National Post columnist Sabrina Madeau joins me to discuss how each of the leaders fared, how the debates set the stage for the home stretch in the campaign, and why Canadians deserve more from the debate organizers. Don't forget, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, wherever you get your favorite podcasts. I'd love it if you could leave us a rating, a review, and tell your friends about us. So Sabrina, arguably the high point of most Canadian election campaigns, and you can debate whether that's a compliment to their impact or a detraction about them, is the leaders' debates. We had two of them this week. We had the French debate and on Wednesday, the English debate on Thursday. These were put on by the consortium, the debates commission. Uh, before we get into some of the leaders' performance and how they fared against one another, I'm just curious, your thoughts, like... We have this group that decides what our debates should be, what they should look like, what topics they should discuss. How do you think that Canadians were served by the two debates on Wednesday and Thursday? I don't think Canadians were served particularly well. Both debates really didn't have the chance to talk about the most important issues in depth. Moving on from topic to topic was very, very quick. The leaders didn't have a lot of time to answer. They were often cut off. And we didn't seem to hear anything we haven't already heard on the campaign trail. I think it's unfortunate that the commission only has a mandate to do one French debate and one English debate, because that's just simply not enough to get into the issues of the day. I mean, you look at topics like reconciliation, affordability. We didn't even get to talk about foreign policy last night. Every single one of those could have their own separate discussion or a longer time period, at least, where we could really get into the nitty gritty of the platforms and learn more about the leaders, which is what the debates are supposed to do. But I don't think they're really fulfilling that purpose. Why do you suppose we're not getting that from the people who are supposed to be overseeing it? Is it a case that the broadcasters don't want to give the time? Is it a case that the leaders don't want to put themselves through that? Or is it just a case that people think that that's not what Canadians want? Yeah, well, the commission, again, has a mandate to only do a minimum of one in French and English. And it seems that they're happy to get by with just that minimum mandate. There have been efforts to do more English debates by private players, whether those are media companies or broadcasters. But it's been historically very difficult to get all of the leaders to agree to doing more English debates. And in the last few cycles, it's been Mr. Trudeau, who's been the reported holdout. And I suppose from his perspective, he sees more English debates as a bigger risk. He only has the possibility to further damage himself and lose credibility rather than gain more votes. So that's a big reason why we're not seeing more. But it's unfortunate because Mr. Trudeau talks a lot about democracy and people having a say and um, what a pivotal time period this is. Well, if that's all true, it should be more important than ever to hear from our leaders and really get deep into policy and how this will affect us for years and generations to come. So looking at how the leaders performed on Thursday night, you know, looking at Justin Trudeau, I got the sense that he fares better in the French debate than he does in the English debate. He comes off as more direct and less stilted or less performative, less of a teacher. How did he fare 
against his opponents. And what were some of his strong points in Thursday night's debate? I completely agree with you that Trudeau's performance was stronger in the French debates. In the French debates, he comes across as more confident, more of a true leader. Whereas in the English debates, that confidence often comes off as smugness. Uh, That's what people often call it or even condescending or dismissive. And last night in the English debate, I thought he was quite agitated, more agitated than we've seen him in a while. And he was often put on the defense by the other candidates. And I think he didn't control the narrative. So I don't think Trudeau had a very strong performance. What do you suppose was the the overarching narrative of the debate? and, And why was that a negative for him? I think the other leaders did a fairly good job calling out the fact that the Liberals haven't fallen through on a lot of their promises, Mm -hmm. that they tend to say the right things or the things Canadians want to hear, but their actions don't match up to that, whether it's on things like clean drinking water for Indigenous communities, whether it's climate change, whether it's um, their actions in Afghanistan lately. And I think that he was hit really hard with that message over and over again. And he just got more agitated and more defensive and didn't really have a good response for a lot of those attacks. Yeah. One of the things that I found most striking was this idea that Justin Trudeau was talking about cynicism being the enemy of progressive politics or progressivism in Canada. And it seemed like every leader had an example of why Canadians should be cynical of the Liberal Party. And we also didn't get the sense from him why he was the right person to have the direction of where the country should go to get us out of this pandemic, which is one of the themes of the election. Did, were they able to to kind of hammer him on just the fact that we're having an election right now? Yes, that was one of the first topics we saw come up in the debate, and especially the fact that the election was called as the Afghanistan crisis was happening and how we weren't able to respond effectively there due to lack of prepping and planning and also just not having our leaders' attention on that crisis as it was unfolding. And unfortunately, we failed a lot of our allies and people who helped us in Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. I thought the other leaders did an excellent job painting that picture. And again, Trudeau didn't really have an effective response for it. And I agree that was a standout line to me when he talked about cynicism being the enemy of being progressive. I just think it shows again that he was being very dismissive of valid criticism towards his government and their lack of follow through. And I think it painted him once again as more smug or on the defense rather than someone really committed to solving these issues. Looking to conservative leader Aaron O'Toole, I feel that since he became leader of the conservative party, he's had a bit of an uphill battle in defining himself for Canadians. And I know the liberals tried during this campaign to define him as being anti-woman, anti-abortion, the kind of person who's going to cut daycare programs. He doesn't care about Canadian families, all of these things. The English debate is kind of a chance for him outside of his campaign events to really display himself to the nation. How did he fare in the debate? And do you feel Canadians finally have a sense of who he is as a potential leader? I think O'Toole has done an excellent job through the campaign and also in all of the debates of not falling into the trap of talking too much about these wedge issues. And he's done a good job of convincing Canadians that he really is pro-choice. He cares about the climate, that he represents a new type of conservative. I think he came across as confident, uh, very confident. 
And he's someone who presents like he could be the next prime minister. One of the things that I noticed with Aaron O'Toole, especially in the French debate on Wednesday, was the idea that he was piled on for wanting to do away with the Liberals' childcare agreement with the provinces in Quebec. It would mean $6 billion is taken out of the mix for Quebec. And I know that his opponents all tried to pile on him for that. Did he give a good enough answer for why that program should change or why the conservatives plan is better? And do you think that that is something that's going to hurt him with kind of those central Canadian voters, Quebec voters, especially, but even people in Ontario who kind of look at what their neighbors have and want a similar agreement with the feds? I do think it's one of the more dangerous issues for him. I don't think his response has been entirely effective, especially when the other parties are very united on this issue. And I do think it's a risk area in Quebec, who obviously has a universal child care system, but also in Ontario, like you said, they look at their neighbors next door and the child care costs in Toronto in particular are out of control. And I don't know that O'Toole's effectively persuaded Torontonians that he's going to help with child care costs in any sort of substantial way. Now, one of the most interesting dynamics in these campaigns, especially when we're looking at the prospect of a minority government, is how the NDP fares will impact the makeup of parliament and could cause a conservative minority, a conservative majority. And so the dynamic between Justin Trudeau and NDP leader Jagmeet Singh is something that I've been trying to watch through the campaign. And I know that Jagmeet Singh has been trying to paint Justin Trudeau as a leader who's not a friend of progressive values and not a friend of progressives. What was the back and forth like between them during the debate? And did Jagmeet Singh do enough to elevate himself into a position where he plays spoilers for the liberals on election night? I think Jagmeet had some very pointed remarks, especially when it came to reconciliation and pointing out how Trudeau will spend one day talking about Indigenous rights, and then the next day he's still taking his government's taking Indigenous children to court. That was a moment that stood out for me. But overall, I don't think that Jagmeet's been particularly strong this campaign or in the debates. His French isn't as strong, I think, as the others. Mm -hmm. He tends to be a bit more quiet and laid back. And in the English debate, to me, there was still just a lack of passion or charisma. I just think he could have been more energetic and stronger. He has some very valid points and criticisms of Trudeau. But if that point was made as fiercely as he hoped, I'm not sure. And the other curiosities with these debates is always, you know, the Bloc Québécois participating in the English debate when the bulk of English Canada cannot cast a vote for his party. And Annamie Paul and her Green Party, which has had a bizarre year this year, ever since she took over as leader, the the party's kind of been fraught with controversy. What do the debates mean for these two parties? Does Blanchette with the Bloc Québécois kind of help his cause at all or hurt the Liberals' cause to help his cause? And Annamie Paul, is she in a position where the Green Party which saw some boost under Elizabeth May could falter and kind of become a non-entity politically. I always have to laugh when I watch uh, Blanchette in English debates because he will just say whatever's on his mind. He doesn't seem to have as much invested in the English debates as the other leaders. So I find him very candid in a way that politicians usually aren't. And uh, when he's in the English debates and they ask him, oh, what would you do for Canada? And he says, I don't want to lead Canada. I want to lead the nation of Quebec. It's 
an interesting moment that does raise the question of why is he on that stage taking time away from the other leaders? But I think overall, he actually helped the conservative case. Him and Mr. O'Toole were saying they agreed on a lot of things. He Mm -hmm. was backing up some of Aaron's points. And I think that um, solidarity on stage helped bolster the conservative cause. As for Annamie Paul, I think watching the English debate last night shows how unfortunate it is what happened with the Greens and all their inner politics over the past year, because it really distracted from her as a leader. And I thought she had perhaps the strongest appearance of the night. She was very direct, very clear, very composed. She showed the right amount of emotion at the right time. And she was kind of a breath of fresh air on the stage in a boys club that often has similar messaging and perspectives and histories. And I think it's unfortunate that she may be at risk of losing her seat. And certainly the Greens probably aren't going to do very well this election because of all of the outside drama. Looking at the two nights overall and how the leaders are kind of positioned heading into the final week of the campaign, there was talk of the conservatives having lost some of the momentum or the momentum kind of stalled heading into the debates. Do you feel that Aaron O'Toole got some of that back or Justin Trudeau comes out a little stronger or, you know, going into this final week of the campaign, who is looking kind of best position right now? I don't think the debates were a make or break moment for anyone. And again, part of that came down to the format and the fact that leaders really didn't have a chance to say anything they already haven't said on the issues. I think overall, though, the debates were very good for Aaron. The more face time he gets with Canadians, the better, because going into this campaign season, he was an unknown to many, particularly in Quebec. I think that coming off as a competent leader, as empathetic, again, showing that he does care about climate change, about reconciliation, that he's pro-choice. These are all very good things for him. And while I don't think any of the debate appearances are necessarily going to sway a huge number of voters to his court, I think that they might have comforted some people who were thinking about moving over, and they certainly didn't hurt him. Looking at the final week, do you get the sense that it's going to be the conservatives continuing to try to sell the conservative platforms, show Canadians why he's not as scary as the liberals want to paint him to be, and then the liberals turning around and trying to paint Aaron O'Toole and the conservatives as scary as Justin Trudeau needs them to be in the minds of voters. I do unfortunately think that's what we're going to continue to see in the last couple weeks of the campaign. It's really the only tactic that Trudeau and the Liberals seem to have, and especially when they're on the defensive and down in the polls, they just go for these wedge issues. And they were able to do a little bit of harm with gun control. The child care issue is still playing out. We're not sure yet how it will resonate with voters, but I do expect to see a lot more attacks like that from the Liberal side. And then on O'Toole's side, continuing to show that he's not this scary caricature he's been made out to be, and that he does believe in some of these more progressive social stances. On the conservatives, though, the one thing that I've I've been kind of fascinated by is this idea that we have a leader in Aaron O'Toole who campaigned for the conservative leadership as a quote-unquote true blue conservative. He painted his main opponent, Peter McKay, as a red Tory. And then when the conservatives released their platform, You kind of wondered, well, what happened to this true blue conservative type? As we head into the final 
stretch of the campaign and the conservatives are really trying to hammer home that they can win government, that they can win votes in central Canada, specifically in kind of these hotbed of seats in, in Southern Ontario. What do you make of these two sides to Aaron O'Toole and how the platform positions them with voters? Well, I think after Aaron O'Toole secured the party leadership, he decided he wanted to win the prime ministership. And in order to do that, he needed to lure over some more voters to the blue side and he needed to broaden the base. And that's where we're seeing some of these more centrist or even left ideas show up in the platform. In terms of the conservatives, they're basically the right side of the political spectrum in Canada. So I don't think many base conservative voters are going to abandon the party or put their vote elsewhere. Mm-hmm. What they need to do is gain more voters. So I think from his perspective, there's only upside to hopefully reaching across the aisle on a few key issues and convincing people who are disillusioned with Trudeau, who have seen him not follow through on his promises, who are frustrated and angry with everything going on right now, that he's a valid, safe, non-scary option. Well, it'll be fascinating to see how the final stretch of the campaign goes for those leaders. Sabrina, thanks for your time. Thank you so much. 10-3 is produced by Sean Knox. Theme music by Bryce Hall. Thanks to my guest, Sabrina Madeau. More from her at nationalpost.com. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening. <laughs>